everyone. Welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours. We're your hosts, Cassie, Nathan, and Christian, here to take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus. This is our 32nd episode and our last one of the 2020-2021 school year. That also means it's my last time hosting the podcast since I'll be joining the staff team at the University of Oregon next year. So I just wanted to say thanks to Nathan and Christian for letting me do this. It's been a lot of fun and I've learned a lot particularly how to wrangle you guys so we can actually start recording. <laughs> Never fear, <laughs> the podcast will continue next year without me, and that's okay. Just for our listeners' sake, we did like 13 minutes of just random talking, and it was definitely not Cassie who wrangled us in. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> it was me. It was Christian. It, it was, was definitely not Christian either. <laughs> fun. Anna will get to do this next year and get the joy of the pre, pre-recording pre hooligan shenanigan stuff. I can't English anymore. Okay, here we go. We have our last episode to do, and as promised, this week we're going to talk about some things to consider when you're leaving university life behind and transitioning into life after college, usually because you've graduated, but possibly for other reasons. It's a big transition that often brings a lot of changes, and usually with much less built-in structure than you have at the university. Before we start, I just want to recommend a resource. Uh, It's a book called Following Jesus in the Real World by Richard Lamb. Um, I read it and found it really helpful. It came out in 1995, so at times it might feel a little bit on the older side as a book for young adults, but there's still a lot of advice in there that's pretty useful, um, especially if you've been pretty involved in Chi Alpha and are now leaving the sphere of college ministry. So with that, let's talk about this. Something I've heard from a number of friends who have left Chi Alpha is that during their time in college, they were really invested in Christian community and experienced a lot of spiritual growth. They thought that trajectory would continue after college. But when they left, those discipleship structures were no longer in place and growing in faith became a lot more difficult. So what are some expectations related to our faith or life in general that it helps to have going into post-college life? I think one thing that's hard is like, you know, going into university, you know, I remember my first week moving to Western and I remember feeling nervous, you know, I was following this girlfriend up and I was like, oh, like I was really emotionally all over the place because of this relationship I'm having, but I moved away from my family, which I was excited to move out because I'm, I'm a really independent person. (laughs) So I was like excited to be on my own. But I remember they had like the RAs, like they had a floor meeting about how the housing works, you know, like they had convocation, every class had a syllabus. Like, even though there's some points where you might feel like school isn't like a school isn't as hospitable as you might like it. Um, it's actually really hospitable and it's really built around, um, helping students thrive. And I mean, they even have like a club fair, right? Usually, um, at OSU, they didn't this fall because of uh, COVID, but usually they have a a club fair to help people get involved and meet people. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's all these structures that you do, um, you know. But you get hired at a new job, or you get um, you go into a community, or you go to a church. Um, it's it's not a given that anyone's going to really initiate you or be thinking through your transitioning like mm-hmm. it's it's all kind of going to be more on you and i i've, I've found that that's kind of a, a disillusioning or hard um, thing for people post-college is is they're they're hoping 
you know, they've had a lot of support their whole time and their whole life. And then now it's like, well, that support isn't there as much, you know, maybe the, maybe the orientation of work is how to like, you know, fill out this form now get to work, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Um, it's, and you just are going to have to like jump in. And so I think having a lot more initiative, you know, whether it be at church, whether it be at work, whether it be, um, in your neighborhood, you know, you move into a neighborhood or you move into apartment complex, no one is going to initiate you into the group most likely like, or into the culture of where you're living into your neighborhood, but having the initiative to, to, to go and knock on your neighbor's doors and introduce yourself or, um, going to a church where nobody knows you, mm-hmm. um, um, meeting the pastor, being, um, thoughtful about what kind of church you want to go to, like all those things, it's, it's just not going to be set up for you. And they're things that you just have to take the initiative on and it's hard, but that's just kind of the nature of how things are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would just sort of echo a lot of what Christian said of like, of needing to take initiative and there's so many spheres or parts of your life that you need to take initiative in when you when you leave those structures that are trying to help you Mm -hmm. uh uh, help uh, lubricate your your introduction into a community so like again using christian's example of university like um you have orientation day, you have your residence hall orientation, you have all these things that are trying to help you feel oriented to the new landscape that you're currently in. Mm -hmm. When you move into adult life, you know, you might get a job and your job will orient you to your workspace. Um, However, like, as far as one's social life is and one's spiritual life, it's actually something that starts becoming more your responsibility to initiate. So talking to some students that are current, uh, some people that are part of Chi Alpha who, who have joined the workforce and talking to them about what it's been like for them to join the workforce and grow in their faith. And a lot of them talking to them about outreach. It's like, it's kind of on them to do outreach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to start that relationship. And even the work environment can be very antisocial yeah. in a lot of ways. And um, you have to def- you'll have to defy even like norms that exist within that workplace in order to engage people in faith. Mm-hmm. There might be, you might go to a job and you might be surrounded by 20, 30, 40 Christians at your new job, but no one says anything because it's mm-hmm. not polite. Right. It's not appropriate. <clears throat> And one thing, and why is that? Why don't they try to find Christians in their workplace? It's because um, they don't know how to take initiative. Mm -hmm. On a spiritual level, though, um, one of the things that's really, really good about Christian community, like at Chi Alpha, is that it does help facilitate one's spiritual growth. It's a program, it's a structure that helps facilitate that your spiritual growth. When you become an adult, though, you start moving into, I'm the one discipled to the one discipling. Mm-hmm. And in order to adequately disciple someone, you actually have to be the one that takes initiative for your own spiritual health. One of the things I think about a lot when I'm discipling students is trying to realizing, I'm like, you're not going to be a student forever. So I need to get you ready that when you're gone from here and I'm not around and we can maybe talk every now and again, maybe 
but honestly, probably not that often. Definitely not every week. Mm-hmm. Um, um, getting you to, getting my students to a point where it's like, no, you know how to read the Bible. You know how to hear the Lord in scripture. You know how to like make friends and have meaningful spiritual relationship and spiritual conversation with people so that you can have some nourishment in community. Um, but uh, one thing I've, I've definitely noticed is that some some Christian communities don't have that mindset of, of like, hey, we need to get them ready. We mm-hmm. need to get them strong enough because no one's out there to help, mm-hmm. genuinely. I know a lot of people that go on to churches and they just feel not helped in their transition, just in even into the church sometimes of like, no one said hi to me, you know, or um, I've, I've con- gone there three weeks and no one's introduced me to anybody else. The pastor hasn't talked to me. Maybe they even tried to talk to someone and tried to initiate, but it wasn't really reciprocated. And mm-hmm. so all of that is really, really difficult uh, for a person. And so a lot of that is, hey, I need to like embrace the weight and the responsibility for my own spiritual health. And not everybody is equipped mm-hmm. to do that yeah. um, for me. And so, or to help me in that. One of the reasons I'm actually in Chi Alpha is because of a guy named Nate Marley, who was bold enough to be like, hey, there's this new guy. And he like sat with me the first day, that, or one of the first times I was there. And he just sat with me, he talked with me, and like he was just super, super friendly. And I was like, okay. And then he invited me to a court, and then I had mm-hmm. a Christian community. Churches have, and he was actually part of a group called The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. at Chi Alpha. I know Christian's like freaking out. It's like, what, what is this it's big brother? <laughs> yeah, what is this? And like, they're just like some really social guys and they're one, they took on the responsibility of like, Hey, if someone new comes, we're going to go sit with them. We're right. going to initiate conversation. We're going to make sure that they're welcome. Mm-hmm. A lot of church communities don't have that. They have people that greet at the door and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a matter of it, it just along the lines of what Christian is saying is, it's a lot of, there's a new level of weight mm-hmm. that uh, is on your shoulders when you transition out of college for your own spiritual health and your own social health. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. I think what both of you are saying is in college, a lot of this, the like life spheres are kind of on top of each other, right? Like your university has a place to go if you feel sick and you're kind of expecting to have your group of friends be on campus. Um, you might work on campus, you might, um, you know, interface with your teachers a little bit more. And so you have mentor figures in your life. Um, you might have Chi Alpha. And so you have ministry also in that sphere. But when you graduate, all of that kind of scrambles. And now you're trying to like navigate these in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when there's less overlap, it's easily easy to feel disoriented and like, oh, you know, I need to go like figure out how to call my doctor because I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of new things and it's okay and it's normal and it might be really hard. And I think actually like going into the graduation mindset of like, hey, this is going to be a lot of change and I need to like accept that and recognize it might be hard, I think is a probably more helpful mindset than, oh, a lot of this is just going to be easy because it's been easy for me in college and college is hard. I think actual life post-college is hard in a really different way. Yeah. And I think along with that, the, um, when, when you're on your own, like right after college, like 
um, you know, some of the, the demons I think of that can get you, you know, like, like loneliness mm-hmm. or like all of a sudden maybe there's a new pressure. Cause it's like, Oh, now I've really got to do what I, what, you know, what my life is about. Like, this is really mm-hmm. the testing of my time or, um, having patience, like things aren't happening as fast as you want them to. Or if, if you know, you, you aren't married or you're not dating somebody that can be like a whole new level of like stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think those things just make, make things really difficult. And, um, you know, it's, it's a good moment to, instead of like get anxious or stressed, just to have patience mm-hmm. and to really focus on your priorities and, and to say like, you know, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do with this time? And, and really to just, just wait and to say like, okay, I'm just going to make one goal at a time. Like right mm-hmm. now, I'm just going to, okay, I figure out where work is. I know how I'm working. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe over the next couple months, I need to find a church. And that wouldn't mean like, I'll go to a church in two months from now. It'd be like, this week, I'm going to go to this one church. Mm-hmm. And then maybe next week, if there's a couple churches in town, like I'll go to this church or I'll try out this one. Or um, maybe I have a friend at work who goes to a church and I'll try his church, you know, her church. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, but but instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to go to the first church that I see or um, I'm going to date the first girl that looks at me. Uh. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> uh, this girl's smiling at me. So maybe we'll date or something like just taking a minute because, because in those big transitions, Mm -hmm. like all these opportunities present themselves because of your newness, like you're new and then you're new to the people around you. Um, and there's always that newness, curiosity factor. And Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. good just to wait for a minute, like Mm -hmm. take, take a month or two to settle in before making any big decisions, Mm -hmm. start feeling like you understand the landscape um, and really try to figure out your priorities and like, okay, I need to find a church community. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I need to find, like, figure out how, how mm-hmm. to get to work. Mm-hmm. How am I going to have healthy rhythms? And then start, you know, initiating those other things like, oh, mm-hmm. that's a girl that I think I might want to date. You know, why don't you just set a time? Like, it's going to take three three months for you to think about that before you think <laughs> about that or something. Because you know, you moving into town and having a girlfriend the next week, it's, ah. I can guarantee that's not going to be a good, yeah, a good start. So Nathan's shaking his head. We're mm-hmm. all yeah. affirming. That's yeah. a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of talking about having had been through a number of big, like transitions, moving from one place to another, having to let go of a lot of friends and into new, uh, enter into a lot of new friends. I would say finding friendships first is actually probably like good friendships is like the most important for, sort of thing, like aside from um, not rather than romantic relationships. So oftentimes when we're in transition, we have a weird, I think I experience a weird combination. I can experience a weird combination of excitement and like l- stress and loneliness along with um, a desire to like placate those negative emotions so it's like so like entering in a romantic relationship really early is oftentimes just trying to like there's actually a lot of while it's exciting to be at school or in this new job i'm actually feeling a lot of actually internal distress 
because there's a lot of new stuff going on and we often try to enter into relationships, romantic relationships in order to make ourselves feel better and feel more grounded because that's a, that's at least a relationship that's consistent. Whereas you don't have any consistent relationships um, when you move and transition to a new place. And so finding friendships is actually much, is a much better thing than not having friendships and oftentimes romantic relationships that start off in the beginning of a transition really don't work out and usually end in really bad places and something that a lot of people end up regretting mm-hmm. doing in the end. So so really just like, hey, I need to find friends. Mm-hmm. I really need to find friends. Um, yeah, I, I just highly... Friendship is very, very underrated in our society and it's probably the best best thing it is the most stable relationship aside from your family yes yeah i think that speaks to um this idea that my chi alpha staff shared with me at the end of my internship year um, which is called the bridges transition model so if you want to like google it you can go see a diagram Um, but basically it's a way of representing what a period of transition looks like um, as you're mentally processing it so the creators of the model would define a change as an external event or situation Um, But the transition part is the inner psychological process that people go through as they internalize and come to terms with the new situation that the change brought about. So thinking about this, there are three stages in a transition. Um, The first stage is actually the ending of the previous thing, um, when people identify what they're losing and learn to manage those losses and decide what they'll leave behind and what they want to keep. Then the second stage is called the neutral zone, when the old is gone, but the new things aren't fully in place and identified with. So in that period of time, people are creating new processes and learning new roles. And then the third stage is new beginnings, when people adopt new values, understandings, and attitudes, and are able to fully engage themselves in what's new. Um, I found this helpful because it addresses how this neutral zone, this mode, this like middle spot can really feel like a time of instability and disorientation, which I think Nathan was just talking about. And leaving college can definitely put you in that place. Um, So kind of thinking about that period of time, we've said, you know, dating might not be helpful. Friends are helpful. Um, What are some healthy ways that we can think about how to engage in that time? I think something that my staff told me were like, hey, you know, in that time, temptations that you've dealt with in the past might come back and might be stronger. I was like, oh, that's a good expectation to have. So now I can plan ahead and be like, okay, what am I going to do about that when when and if that time comes? So that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think just having, again, I think I said it already, but just having patience, like just saying like, you know, as you acclimatize to a new place, like I, I, it's like so weird. Like when you think about transition, like, like when I think about, like I moved down to Corvallis, like when did I feel like, oh, this is my home now? Like it's like hard to pinpoint what Mm -hmm. day that was like Mm -hmm. there was no big event that happened all of a sudden i felt like oh yeah i'm i'm gonna go home now you know um i didn't have that feeling of like novelty or Mm -hmm. um like oh this is a new place like there's a there's a time when it starts becoming regular Mm -hmm. and um but sometimes like moving it won't, it, it can take a while to have that kind of level of, of novelty and just kind of being patient with like, okay, every day I'm just going to keep walking and 
Maybe somebody feels scared or anxious. Um, maybe, you know, for me, when I move, like the novelty, it's pretty exciting. You know, I, I usually get excited. Um, but then, like, I'm, like, waiting for life to start. Mm-hmm. And eventually you'll find, like, oh, I'm I'm doing it. So I think just having some degree of patience to keep mm-hmm. walking and then trying to, to – and I think about, like, you build a house. Like, imagine, like, you're building a house and you set a foundation. Like, your foundation, it describes, like, how big your house is going to be. So if you don't build a house, like – like with thinking about a bathroom, it's going to be hard to install a bathroom later. You know what I mean? Like it's going to cost a lot more to get the plumbing in there. Like it's good to kind of build a house, like kind of just start like your habits, like you're hoping they would be in the long run. So, so like, that's where I think like just going to a church, like maybe this isn't the church you're going to pick forever, but Hey, I'm going to go to a church this week because I go to church every week. And you're trying, what you're trying to do is build that, that foundation in your life. Like, so that it isn't hard to include later, like just trying to, or set up different habits of like, you know, as you transition, you know, maybe, maybe you went of college and you're like, man, I loved exercising or I need to exercise more. Um, trying your best, like just to, to make some times to exercise, Mm-hmm. Um, right away, you know, it, it's an opportunity of a, of a fresh start and, and just trying to build your new life, like by doing the things that you're hoping would be normatively like healthy. Um, because once you do settle in, then you're going to find like, it's hard for you to, harder for you to change those kinds of, um, systems or different things like that. So, so looking at it as like a new opportunity, but, but trying to make, even though you might not feel fully adjusted or feel like, you know, oh, like instead of saying, I'll go to church when I feel comfortable around here, mm-hmm. it would probably be good to start going to a church when you're not feeling comfortable mm-hmm. because you just built, it doesn't mean you have to keep going to that same church, but, or, or exercising. I don't even know where I'm going to exercise. We'll just run around the block and then <laughs> be like, well, that was a bad idea or something like later, <laughs> you know, just, just try to incorporate new, the things that you're hoping in your life mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. up, right at the beginning. Try, try that a little bit and have patience for yourself too, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think I hear some, like something that you're saying, Christian, is like build those rhythms and routines early mm-hmm. if you can, even if it's not perfect and, you know, work on certain things at a time. Don't expect mm-hmm. to have everything ready to go when you get there because it's not going to be that way and you're going to find surprises in a new place, new yeah. job, new role. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't set that all up ahead of time and you shouldn't try. So I think just... Just having that mindset of, okay, I'm going to work on these few things first. And mm-hmm. once that's working pretty well, we'll move on to these next things and yeah. prioritize the things that are the most important and are that's going to help right. you reach that stage of stability if you can. That's right. Yeah. I would kind of summarize what you guys are saying is like taking slow, steady, patient steps rather than like doing all the things. Mm-hmm. So, or running or like picking a 20 different paths to walk and things like that, but slow, patient, steady steps. And part of the internal process, I would say of going into a new place is like, is allowing yourself to experience what you're experiencing as far as like your emotional mm-hmm. self goes and like, what are the things I'm wrestling with? It's like, so I remember when I came back from Cape and Ray, I was like, man, I have n- like my, I made some of the closest friends I've ever made in my life 
at Cape and Ray, my Bible mm-hmm. school. And I was like, I am probably never going to see most of these people again. Mm-hmm. Which there was some truth to that. I really, I don't see them very often, the ones that I do see. And um, yeah, it, it's just infrequent. And I'm like, but these people are so important to me. And so part of my process was actually... Uh, was I took six months and I said, I was like, I'm not going to date anybody for six months. I'm not going to, um, I'm just going to find a job. I'm going to get myself in school again. I'm going to find a church community and things like that. Um, and, but a big part of those few goals was big part of those few goals is like, I had needed to do those things. It was sort of like actual needs, mm-hmm. but by being slow and patient and not doing all the things I could actually grieve the friends that I lost. Yeah. Because I actually created space for that. So, like, instead of just doing everything that excited me or interested me, I was like, oh, no, like, I'm really sad. My, my All my friends are gone. And that took really, mm-hmm. that took six, I don't know, three to six months to really get over. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, and a lot of students have probably had the experience of, like, oh, I left home for the first time to come to college. And, like, there's a, I remember someone moved into the Haven last year. And the first night they just started crying. They were just Mm -hmm. like, oh, man, I'm away from my mom. Like, I'm just so like, and he was, it was a really healthy relationship he had with his mom. But it was just like, it's so important to him. And he had to grieve that. And he, Mm -hmm. but if you go too fast, you don't have time to grieve those things. And it ends up creating, you know, addictive behaviors that you may fall into or temptations that you've had in the past you'll fall into because you're just not processing the things that you need to Mm -hmm. yeah i moved down here in fall and i cried a lot for like three months so you know i think one thing i learned in that time is you know your your friends your friends are still around Mm -hmm. even if they're longer distance from you um so you can always still set up times to call people that you Mm -hmm. know especially if you don't have strong connections in your new community yet I was fortunate to have friends who came down with me, which was a great mm-hmm. post-college life thing. Thanks, God. Um, and having those people around really helped me adjust, I think, probably faster than I would have if I came on my own. Um, but you do still have people in your life, especially people probably who have gone through the same transition that you are or are currently. Um, right? You're going to graduate with people that you know. And so being able to talk to those people, I bet they're experiencing a lot of the same things and you guys might be able to really support each other. So don't be afraid to reach out to people you already know, mm. even if they're not with you in the same physical spot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with with that, though, like it's very important to start making new friendships. Yeah, so like I do both. Yeah, it's it's a do both. And I know you were saying that, Cassie, but mm-hmm. uh, I know I had. I, I had a few Cape and Ray friends who didn't do that and they were just stuck in the past mm-hmm. and they were like kind of just always grieving and it like the process of grieving just took a really long time. I like stayed pretty connected with people for three to six months afterward, but I was like actively making new friends in the mm-hmm. place that I was in and that was healthy. Both were healthy. I remember I had my new friends were like, you're way too attached to those people over there. I was like, okay, one, you don't get it. Two, but two, I was like, I made friends with like seven new people this term. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and I wasn't restraining myself, refraining myself from, or uh, keeping myself from those new friends. It was just, I have a lot of affection for my past and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, it's, it's important just to say like, this is just kind of the outside observation from hearing you guys, like, like maybe somebody might be crying after they move somewhere. 
like three months or whatever, and you might be thinking, what is wrong with me? Or I've made a big mistake or I mm-hmm. can't believe this. Like, I think you just need to take, like my, my advice would be for someone to take at least a whole six months, if not a whole year mm-hmm. before really like piecing out of something like that, mm-hmm. that there should be patience. Like just because you're really sad, even if it's been like three months, that's okay. Yeah. You know, and that like people experience a lot of different things. And if you're somebody you like move and you're like loving it, you know, post college and you're getting it and you're like, what, what are Cassie, Nathan and Christian <laughs> talking about? Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, and people just go through these transitions mm-hmm. in very different ways. Some people just are like, they're ready to move, you know, and they're ready to, they're going to be fine. Um, where other people are really going to to grieve for quite a long time or have a hard time fitting into the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, I would just encourage you to not, not give up, like set, mm-hmm. set a good amount of time. And I, I mean, I would really probably even give it a whole year mm-hmm. um, before you like start saying, I think there's something wrong here mm-hmm. um, because it's such a major transition mm-hmm. and such a different thing that sometimes you just need more time and then just be patient with yourself mm-hmm. and your feelings and be okay with, Oh, I'm crying. But that's okay. It means that I loved my past mm-hmm. and yeah. um, embracing this, this ter- current thing is harder than I thought it would be, or mm-hmm. it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And, but that's okay. You can be, you can be doing that and it's, it's just mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Something that I think going off of that Christian that has been helpful for me is like, try to not make major decisions when you're in that emotional mm-hmm. spot, like mm-hmm. trust the you who was pretty well settled in your previous like life um and was making those decisions and like kind of didn't know what to expect but was at least in some stable structures because the moment you leave those you start going through this emotional process that kind of changes the way you make decisions or think about things and so if you can get out of that timing wise before you have to make those major decisions or before you change trajectories completely mm-hmm. you're probably going to make some wiser choices mm-hmm. and if you can't do that get a mentor or someone to to help you think through what you're mm-hmm. what you're considering doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's two things I would say. One off of Christian is um, the first is uh, from what Christian said. Like actually, like leaving friendships and such is actually a lot like in, um, uh, having a death in your life. And most people who experience death, if you've ever um, sadly had uh, a friend or a family member. Um, pass away like the process of grieving actually takes months and that's Mm -hmm. actually what you're you're going through actually something quite similar the only difference is is that you can actually get back to that um potentially it's it's very diverse Mm -hmm. the the grieving process oh yeah can be very diverse yeah it can look very different for different people but but like if you are feeling that like I'm crying and it's been three months and stuff like that. It's like, no, it's just a grieving process really of like a life that you had and that, and it's also very true of what Cassie said is like eventually normalcy does return. Mm -hmm. Um, a feeling of like stability, a feeling of like my environment isn't like, you know, chaos and disorder. Um, and I very much would, uh, affirm what Cassie said of like, don't, make major decisions when you're like highly um when you're in the throes of like some despair or depression 
Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and just to kind of give a little bit of diversity here, I pretty much have never cried at any mm-hmm. transition I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like I, I just don't. I don't know if I would call like my grieving would be. I don't know. Nathan might call it unhealthy, but I, I definitely don't. I think it's just you, honestly. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I just, but I, I just don't like. I just can move on, like mm-hmm. you know, not. It's not very difficult for me, or I'm really, I'm really, like forward thinking. Not, and that's not like saying like. I just don't think about the past mm-hmm. uh, a lot, or I'm more focused on the future. I guess would be the mm-hmm. the thing, and I'm I'm pretty optimistic, and I'm thinking about what could be um, a lot, and so that's not necessarily at where everybody's at. But mm-hmm. um, I think if you find yourself in that kind of a place, um, I think one thing to just be mindful of is that you know just because other people. Like you see other people and they're having a hard time and you're mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Um, just having having thoughtfulness mm-hmm. about, you know, hey, they're they're experiencing it. Not just trying to say, eh, let's just get over it. You know, like right. as you see your other friends struggling um, or or even to think like just because you aren't crying or grieving, it doesn't mean that you're in a healthy place all the time either. So um, so, you know, there's there's a time if you're if you're a non-griever like me or a non-crier like mm-hmm. it, it's important still to take times to reflect and to mm-hmm. connect with old friends and to um not just be thinking about what's in front of you but to remember what's behind you and to um yeah take some time to to process you know the past and uh, that's that's really meaningful because you don't want to just erase it from your life you don't want to just move on um you want to remember what was sweet about the past and mm-hmm. um yeah, so so that's just to give a little bit of diversity there to the <laughs> emotionality yeah. that someone might experience. Yeah. People are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a few other quick examples of diversity in this is like some people are just quiet. They don't really cry at all. They're just a little bit more reserved. That's kind of how they process it. Um, s- some people are can just become lo- very low motivation, very low energy. Mm-hmm. Um, some people... Uh, very quickly fall into like uh, uh, I don't want to, um, like quick tempered. Yeah, they can be quick tempered. I was thinking of a, a different. Uh, they can get into high. St- they can feel high stress very easily because they're coping with so many things, and then, so mm-hmm. they can have a lot of stress or, or a lot of anxiety. Um, they can go into uh, uh, addictive behavior pretty quickly, which that's a broad word. It's not just drug abuse, but like mm-hmm. binge watching Netflix very quickly. I actually knew someone who went through a major transition. She was like, I literally binge watched Netflix for like four, six hours a day mm-hmm. because she just couldn't cope with all the emotions that she was having. And so, or eating disorders, eating I disorders. Mean, eating I mean, disorders there's, there's just a lot temptation. of things. And so it's like, yeah, sexual and, temptation. and so if, Sexual temptation, that's another one. Uh, gaming excessively, mm-hmm. or maybe at all. Yeah. Um, or developing new unhealthy habits. Um, like uh, knitting? Like knitting. Yes. Oh, man, those wow. knitters. <laughs> oh, man, the quilt makers, man, they're the, they're the worst. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> um, those cereal knitters. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They just knit um, blankets that look like cereal boxes. And so, like, I, I say that for two reasons. Like, you know, you might, like Christian's saying, you might not be a crier, but it doesn't mean you're not, like, processing mm-hmm. it. Right. Um, 
And like, I, I've known a lot of people that get frustrated really quickly. And I'm like, you're going through stuff. My dad, when his dad died, actually was going through a grieving process. And it was a year later to the, about to the day. And my mom was like, he's getting really frustrated and angry. It's like, oh, and he's processing something that happened a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so you, it looks different. So you may, might experience it in a very different way than Christian or I or Cassie does. The other thing to know about it is like, if you're seeing someone going through a transition, you can be like, oh, maybe they're, they need some support because this is going to be really hard. Yeah. They're, they're going through stuff and you can kind of notice those tendencies. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't listened to it already, we did do a podcast on emotional health and that is a related topic to what we're talking about here. So, uh, shout out to our own podcast, go listen to it. (laughs) Self-promotion. Hashtag listen to it. Is that how it works? We're going to move on. (laughs) 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 Okay. Um, before we close out this episode, I wanted us to talk about two specific things that are aspects of um, life after college that I think are pretty important that we haven't covered in depth elsewhere. So let's do that. Our first one is going to be talking about local church community. So graduating often involves moving to a new city, either to be close to friends or family or a job or for ministry for whatever reason. Um, So what are some things that it's important to consider when you're choosing a new church community to call home? Um, Maybe you personally or things that you would want that you think are like, this is very important to think about when you're making that choice. Uh, Christian mentioned this one last week of like, you know, um, of like, what is the character of that church? Um, you know, do they, do they love the Lord? Do they respect the authority of the Bible and things like that? And like, and, um, what, where are their values within like Christian community and things like that? And just really assessing like the import, how seriously they take the Lord. I would say another part of it is, especially for transition is like, how does this community engage me? What kind of, oppor- what kind of, uh, opportunities do they have for me to get connected? So, some churches are very, very good at like, um, like I would say my, the church I grew up in, especially now does a very good job of like getting new people into relationships with other people. I think it does a above average job with that. Um, and, uh, like, it's like, oh yeah, does this community love the Lord and does this community want me as a part of it? Um, which doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to do some init- a lot of initiating, but is it reciprocated? I would say that that's a big part of it. Um, like are people welcoming? It's like, oh, hey, you're a new person. Oh, okay, great. And like they are like aware of you and they want to be, do you come back the next week and the person is like, oh, it's that person and they're initiating with you and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, finding communities that care is just a really important feature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think just with that, with what you're saying, Nathan, about the relationships, I think I would, I I will always privilege a church that has a small group structure Mm -hmm. in it Mm -hmm. than one that doesn't, because that means that you're going to have a chance to be seen. And, and honestly, you know, we talked about how hard it is to maybe even make friends when you go to a new place. The Christian community is, I would say like, 
in general, like if the world, if the United States of America, the culture in the Northwest, the United States was to be like given a grade, we'd probably get like an F plus maybe or a D minus, <laughs> like wow. in terms of like a passing grade in terms of like what our general culture does mm-hmm. in terms of making friends. Mm-hmm. But the, but so many churches have places for you to meet some meet with a group of people every single week who will are willing to be your friends like Mm -hmm. and and while it might feel like oh we get together for a week for a bible study i mean the amount of relationality that you can have with a small group that meets weekly is way higher than what most friends are willing to give you Mm -hmm. um in the in like this adult culture that we're in right now Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. like so that's a real gift so 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 looking at a small group structure or some kind of ability to make friends like within mm-hmm. the church like on a midweek service or something like that's that's a huge way of like of seeing like oh this is a church that values relationships and um and it doesn't necessarily mean the church is healthy it's just mm-hmm. i'm just saying like mm-hmm. i would always privilege a church that has like some kind of small group um mm-hmm. or relationship um, on ramp into mm-hmm. it um, over one that doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard because the perfect church does not exist mm-hmm. except That's in right. eternity, right? So yeah. there's a number of things that I really care about that I hope to find in a church. And I think you have to figure out, okay, which of my personal preferences are the most important and which am I willing to compromise on in order to be in a church that has really good discipleship and a good sense of mission. Um, right. Like I definitely want to pick a church that I feel okay bringing a friend to who doesn't know the Lord Mm -hmm. and feel like, oh, you know, they're actually going to get it and be welcomed and be included in this community. Mm -hmm. Um, other things like, Hey, it's a church. So hopefully it's multi-generational. Hopefully it's ethnically diverse. You know, do they line up theologically with things Mm -hmm. that I have really strong convictions about? Like, do they believe that women can be pastors? Do they actually let women preach? You know? I think those kinds of things are things that I'm looking for, but, you know, no church is going to have everything that you hope for. You know, you might go to a church where you're like, wow, this worship service is like the worship part is hard for me to connect with, but I'm learning so much. I'm growing so much in this community. So I think there's a sense of like, you kind of have to go as you're like going to different churches and trying to figure out what's going to be good long term to weigh those things and decide, okay, what's really important and what's good for the kingdom because there is a sense of like, we're called to contribute to the church, not to just go and, and take things out of that community, mm-hmm. right? So where can you contribute and be a real help and serve people for the Lord? Yeah, and I, I think one thing I noticed about college ministry, right, kind of when I started, I, I started at a community college. Um, and one thing I noticed is that like universities and colleges are, are I'm gonna say something crazy and they're gonna disagree <laughs> with me, all the colleges will disagree with me, whatever. There's like very, I don't think there's really any colleges or universities that are actually diverse. Mm -hmm. And now, like, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is I went to Western Washington University, which was an education school. And um, it was kind of known also as a hippie school, an idealistic school. Um, So so if you wanted to go to Western, that meant you didn't want to go to UW, which was more like you know, I want to make a lot of money or I want to the best, like best pedigree, you know, like you're kind of choosing, like, I want this, or you didn't want to go to the party school, which was WSU, West, um, 
Washington State University. Like, like it attracts a kind of applicant. Mm-hmm. And then the admissions department looks at your application and says, is this person going to be kind of like in our ethos here? You know, like, so actually, in general, the school has a type of person that is drawing to it. Oregon State University is like no different. Mm-hmm. Like we're a tech school, we're a science school, we're a school that has high responsibility. I mean, it's also like casual, but there's reasons why people go here and they don't go to the University of Oregon. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to Chad Harris, and Chad Harris, if you're listening to this, you're gonna be like, there's no way Chad Harris is wants to be associated with the University of Oregon at all. You know what I mean? Like he's like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, you know, he studied he studied business, and he's like. Well, I'll study business at OSU. I, mm. I'm sure they got business down at U of O, but I'm not going there. Like, mm. and so there's like a certain kind of student that, that, like our culture, like the, the culture at OSU attracts also. And so, um, and then it helps bring those students into the culture and initiates them. When you go to like a community college, it's like open enrollment. It's like whoever. It's like mm. that's diverse. Okay, like. You got thirty-year-olds, mm-hmm. whatever. Cheaper. It's cheaper. Like you got g- genius sixteen-year-olds that are like going there before they can go to college, mm-hmm. and you've got people who are fifty trying to figure out what they're going to do for a job. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's a huge and people who are twenty-year-old that are just like, I think I got to study something, but I don't know what I'm doing. Like it's all over the place mm-hmm. um, because their values are so different. Going to a church is a lot more like going to a community college than it is to university. And so why is that important? Because if you have been going to Chi Alpha, you know, going to Chi Alpha here, you're going to have a lot of high commonality, like relating to people in Chi Alpha is going to feel like, oh, this is my people. Mm -hmm. These people are like me. It's because they were drawn to OSU. Like they're living in the same age group. They got the same goals as you. They're in the same process of life. There's so much high commonality. Um, even if we're like a pretty diverse group of people, even if we have a lot of different beliefs, we all have a lot of high shared values. Mm-hmm. But if you go to a church, like it's not, it's going to be totally different than what it's like being at Chi Alpha. And, and so when Cassie's saying like, there's no perfect church, I think it's also important to be like, you know, part of going to a church is not, is not about just being with people that are like you, but yeah. it's about abiding with people and the mystery of the church is like that we can all be different and still worship the same God and valuing even each other's differences. And so, so I think going into a church, like, I think like Cassie said a couple of like strong opinions, um, that she really has. And it's probably important to really think through, this is the opinion I'm not going to like, I'm not bending on this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think for Cassie, one of those women in ministry, like, I need to go to church that values women in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe there's another value that is strong to somebody else. Like uh, how often do they speak in tongues or do they do a, a gift sharing time like for people to like the congregation to get up and share? Well, not many churches do that. So like, you know, you want to find a church like that. It's going to be pretty hard to find one. Um, but maybe be more open to like a, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe compromise on that value that I have. Um, so, so trying to figure out like, oh, these are the things like for me, character, the character of how they value scripture, like mm-hmm. 
they believe that scripture is more authoritative than their own opinions or cultural opinions. That was like for me for sure. But oh, the style, the music, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll go either way. So, so just knowing like this church isn't going to embody you, but go into churches about being with God's diverse body, um, worshiping Jesus. And that's where our unity comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what you're saying, Christian, is there are some things we shouldn't compromise on, right? Scripture is important. Like actually being unified around Christ's message is important, but then there are other things that are sort of secondary to that still important, but not necessarily at that level. So you have to figure out what to prioritize when you're looking. And, and to be ready to engage with people who are really different than you. Yeah. Like, you know, that you might be in a small group with a, with a plumber who dropped out of high school mm-hmm. and you might be a valedictorian that like got your age engineering like degree and you guys might be in the same small group and that's that, awesome. you know and that's that's really good but you can imagine how different like your guys' mm-hmm. experiences are going to be and how and instead of being like you know instead of having a thing like ah oh, i just wish people were like me you know being like excited that you're hanging out with somebody with a different life experience you know like i might be in a small group with a 50 year old mm-hmm. you know like you know, I, you know, are you not 50 Christian? I'm not 50. I, I'm just thinking like, he is you know, older than me though. I'm just thinking, I am, I'm significantly older than Nathan. I'm just so, teasing. I know. But, but just, I mean, I mean, just thinking about like, oh, I might go to a church and it might be, maybe, maybe if you consider yourself more liberal or middle of the road you go to a church and it's like, whoa, these are really hardcore Republicans. Like being okay with them being Republicans and like all right, we're just going to abide together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it doesn't have to be perfectly, you know, I don't, if I'm a vegan, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm in a small group with a bunch of vegans and I eat meat being like, well, I guess for snacks, we'll do a lot of vegan snacks and it'll be a great, you know what I mean? Like just having a ability to be embrace what's different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think we talked about it also you can talk to us as your pastors about this we would love to talk to you um, our last one is talking about friendships so this is more on the hey we're trying to form new friendships as adults side rather than hanging on to the friends that we've made in the past um, and this is important because friendships tend to look pretty different when you're not in the academic world together so instead of talking multiple times a week you might get together once a month um, maybe that's the new normal kind of depends on who the people are in your life so I think thinking about how it can be more difficult to make and maintain friendships after college because, you know, people have full-time jobs or they get married or they have kids and spending time with them can look really different. Um, But Jesus still teaches us to value our friendships, both with people who share our faith and as something we should build with people who don't. So what advice would you give to people leaving college about making and keeping friends after they graduate? One thing I would say that I've observed is... um... I, I guess this isn't always true, so it depends on the community you walk into, but I've walked into churches where uh, I found a small group, and that small group, like, really, like, adopted me. They were just like, oh, man, Nathan, like, oh, that he's such a cool guy, and, like, they, I, I go to a church service, and they're like, oh, hi, Nathan, and they talk to me, and they want to hear about my week, and they're just, like, very, very, very hospitable, very gracious, very kind, and just really wonderful. 
Um, in those communities, it's a little bit easier to make friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's other communities, other churches that I've walked into where I'm like, no one seems to want to talk to me at all. And like, I have to take a little bit more responsibility to initiate that. But the the challenge in that latter group is that they have these sort of routines in their life. And they, if they've really, really... Uh, if they've been doing that routine for a very long period of time, new elements are not easily introduced. And it's not pers- very, it's not very permeable. It's not very permeable. Yeah, mm-hmm. new new th- new people are are just not something that they're looking to add to what they're already doing. And mm-hmm. so that's very very challenging. It's a very challenging thing, and finding those. Um, that that's why I say the community and the small group thing that Christian brought up is like so very important is because it's permeable. There, mm-hmm. there, it's a it's a way to permeate into a group, um, or get into a group, and that's that's why we really suggest that. That's why we have actually cores in in. Well, it's not the only reason. There's a number of reasons why we have cores, but I mean it's one of the advantages of having cores is that it's very permeable. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say you do meet someone who has a routine life and they are like, oh, yeah, this is a cool person. They want to talk. There's still like more than likely there's a good chance that they're going to be married, that they might have kids. Um, and I'm speaking kind of from a, a typical uh, traditional family structure where it's like the guy goes and works and the uh, mother stays home and has watches the kids. Maybe she has a part time job like my mom does. Uh, or did. And uh, me being a guy, so my closest friend is Miles from years ago. He now has a wife and has two kids. I can't meet with him probably every week. It's actually very challenging. Well, granted, we live in two different cities now, but when he did have kids, it was a challenge because it's like, he's just not accessible. He's got to take care of his kids. And I respected that. But, um, he was a relationship that we both valued and so we both maintained, but it looked different. And similarly, when you're introducing yourselves into a person that has routines, like a family life, it's like you may not have as much consistency as you would like in that relationship, Mm -hmm. especially if you're single, especially when you're single. And it's like, I don't have any friends. Like I know for being a single guy, it's like, I kind of want to talk to more people and have more friendships and more relationships. But those people that are married are just not as accessible, you know, and then they get older and then their kids have kids and then they're really not accessible because then they have grandkids and it's just craziness. I'm not at that phase in my life yet. I'm not as old as Christian. My kids aren't having kids yet. No. Did you just say I'm not as old as Christian? I did. At the end of that? Wow. I'm I'm consistently told not to forget that he is older than me. That's right. I'm glad that he hasn't forgotten. Because he's in a totally different life stage. (laughs) Totally different. But it is almost Nathan's birthday. As of this recording. When this comes out, it'll be after Nathan's birthday. So you're too late. Sing happy birthday to Nathan when you see him. Sing belated happy birthday. When you listen to this podcast, so you you can hear it year round. You know what I love about editing the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Take this out. How dare you? (laughs) But I do think, um, I think, I think along the lines of what you're saying, Nathan, to you about that permeability aspect um, is also just like, you know, when... I think 
I mean, I think we all kind of get this in high school. Like, you know, like there's going to be certain friends that you're closer to and certain ones that aren't. And in college, that's true, too. Mm -hmm. Um, But just know, like, that's going to be even more true is that there's going to be like a lot of spectrum of friendships, you Mm -hmm. know. So so like that guy that was like that, like Nathan kind of talked about that impermeable person like or those the, the people when you go to church they seem like oh this person's like life is so set in a routine that person probably doesn't hate you mm-hmm. you know what i mean that yeah. person's just busy you know what i mean and so not taking it personally i think is a big deal and mm-hmm. just being like you know they're just doing what they can they're busy like whatever and and being able to be that person's like i guess acquaintance friend or something like being able to be like yeah, there's a certain level where me and this person who I probably won't spend a lot of time with, I can still acknowledge that. I mean, we can still be friendly to each other. And I might actually, we might actually have significant points, like, especially if we go to church together, like, they might pray for me one Sunday and it might be really significant. Or there might just be these significant passing moments that are important. So so not, not limiting and saying, like, well, this person's too busy. Like, I'm not going to know this person like just acknowledging there's different levels of friendship and that um you know that and then also taking it as a real gift um meeting somebody who who you really do connect with and somebody that you're like man i'm becoming really good friends with this person um and just just taking that as a gift and knowing that you know there's seasons for that that, Mm -hmm. that's a little bit what nathan was talking about is just like maybe this person becomes a friend and then maybe they get married or maybe you get married and things have to change a little bit, but mm-hmm. this life is always changing. And so mm-hmm. just, just be ready to like, yeah, you know, we, we go into these things with the season and there's always a, a spectrum of friends and, and these things always evolve and change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with people who are already in your life, intentionality is your friend. I have like a phone call rotation kind of going for my college friends and Um, we talk every so often and it ensures that no one gets forgotten, but we can just give each other space when life gets kind of crazy. And I know that those people still care and that they're still in my life and they want to continue to be in my life, but that doesn't mean we talk every week and that's been okay for us. But I think outside of like Christian circles, right, we're still called to make friends with people who got places in our life and that's more countercultural. And so really as you're initiating friendships with people who are outside of the church, you're teaching them to value that kind of friendship. Um, I think of like Trent has built some really intentional friendships with people he was working in retail with this year. And that's new and different for them. And it's a way that he shows them what Jesus is like mm-hmm. um, because it's so uncommon. So especially if you're in one, one of those kinds of jobs or like you have friends who are outside of the church community, I think just know like that's going to be noticed because it's weird and different and it's good. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good way to show what Jesus is like to people. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have any final advice for people who are transitioning out of college and into the adult world? Sounds scary. It's like Jurassic World. Yes, I do have two little things. The first one is, it's just kind of touching on something I said in the last week one about the transitioning is just, you know, as much as, you know, we're saying like, like, like when you're trying to find a church, I would say like relationships are, are key. So like if you have friends that are going there, if you, you've found a friend or, um, maybe you know of a church in the area or, um, man, following the relationships, you know, especially if they're good friends and then, you know, testing the character of the church is important too. But, 
man, the relational connected part of being in a church is like the hugest, hugest part of being in a church. And so don't be afraid to do that. And if, if you had a sense of like, yeah, I think I'm going to move back or I'm going to move to a certain place and you had an idea of what kind of church you were going to go to, or even like an inkling, like, I think I'm gonna go to this church, you know, trying to set up something like to meet the pastor before you move or mm-hmm. like, those are just great ideas. And, um, and maybe even like if you are pretty landed on a place that you want to go or something like another great way of getting involved is just by by partnering, like by by joining some kind of ministry, you know, like joining the joining the youth ministry or joining the worship team or joining the like it's just a good way to grow relationships too is by serving and being alongside people that something that you're passionate about um, and then joining with other people who are passionate about it. That's a great way to make friends and a great way to to jump into something and so so you know if you're in a if you're kind of you know like we said we want to be patient you know what i mean so if you're if you don't know if you're like moving somewhere and you don't know church yeah just take some time to figure out a church but once you had a sense of where you wanted to go a great way to mm-hmm. trying to find a place to serve within that church is going to be a great way to for you to make some like-minded friends you know and um so that's a great opportunity um the second thing i wanted to say was which is different is is just like what outreach looks like in a in a post like university setting you know here we have we're surrounded by people who don't know Jesus and there's a lot of leisure time mm-hmm. so that you know people are eating lunch out there people are hanging out in the dorms people are there's just lots of time to initiate and it's not weird here to initiate new ideas with people like it's mm-hmm. a, that's what college is about is initiating new ideas and thoughts but if you get into the work world man it's just kind of different it's kind of different to go into your lunchroom and just talk to people about jesus you know um it, it feels different you could feel a little bit it could be a feel a little bit forced um and i think in our current setting one thing that i think like the lord has told me is just that the greatest need that our culture has is in the area of relationships. Mm -hmm. And so the more that you're willing to bring your, your coworkers, your neighbors, the people that God brings into your life, into your life, the more that, you know, if you, if you go to, if you go to work and you've invited like at, in the course of a year, if you invited like all of your coworkers over to your house for dinner because you care about them, nobody else is doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's going to, people are going to be like, something is different about this person. Yeah. If you, hey, let's all go out and have dinner after after work today, you know, like initiating a kind of socialness or relationality, um, inviting people into your home, asking people genuinely, hey, how are you doing today? Remembering details about their lives, like, oh, your grandma was sick. Like, how is she doing? Like being a person that is deeply caring and initiating and also not afraid to share about Jesus or to ask people, you know, I'm a Christian, like, you know, your grandma's sick, I'm a Christian, um, and I believe in praying. Would you mind if I prayed for your grandma? You know, and if it's appropriate, can I pray right now? You know, like like being willing to take brave steps like that. Um, but but really, I think what I'm saying is just having an openly relational life where you're not impermeable, like what Nathan was saying, like where you're you're trying to be hospitable and and help people who aren't part of God's family to find a family, to find a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finding, seeking for those moments, looking for those moments to share about God's love with them. That's, you know, 
that's going to be huge. And so um, just kind of want to share that vision with you guys and um, throw that out as an opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. I think have a lot of grace for yourself. That's good. That's important. I have a friend who like did the Kyle internship and decided to peace out and go to the East Coast for a couple of years. And now she's coming back. Um, and just a lot of things did not work out the way that she wanted them to, but she didn't compromise on her faith. And that's made a huge difference in her perspective even now. And I love her dearly and I'm excited for her to come back. But I think that's what she would say. It's like, even when other things don't go the way that you want them to, God is still with you. Yeah. And there are ways that he can help you grow in that season that you wouldn't otherwise. And she's had opportunities to really make a difference in some people's lives because she didn't compromise on that. So if you prioritize the Lord and you prioritize where he's leading you and his plans for you, you can't really go wrong. I think we will end there. Christian and Nathan, thanks so much for joining me today. And if you're out there listening, we hope that this helps you feel more prepared for life after college. Feel free to email us with comments, questions, or topic suggestions at social at OregonStateXA.com or reach out to one of us in person. Have a great week, and remember, it's okay if your transition out of college is hard, but God is still with you. Mm -hmm.